Welcome to Financial Foresight. This podcast was made by four fee-only CFP professionals to help consumers understand the financial industry. Let's meet your hosts. They're either naive, they're stupid, or they're lazy. You know, the other thing is, is uh, my ceiling fan just went out in my kitchen today. He is the commander in chief on this video right now. And uh, man, I am feeling controlled and empowered and safe. Don't stop for Dwight's baby. We can edit that out. (laughs) All of the podcast hosts are owners of RIAs registered in their respective home states. All commentary on this podcast represent the opinions of individuals and not their firms. All commentary is financial education, not financial advice. So let's get started. Welcome to the Financial Foresight Podcast. The uh, whole gang is together again today, which always makes it more fun. And we are going to kick it off by talking about Colin's video that he just put out, which was well-received and one that we all appreciate. Colin, can you give us high-level the video, what it's about, why you did it? Yeah, so I pretty much had a client reach out and say, hey, would you mind, and it was a prospective client, someone new that I'm just speaking to for the first time, and they wanted to know if I could send them some referrals of people that I've worked with in the past. And in the video, I kind of explained that that seems like a totally normal thing to ask because I love reading and we all love reading about reviews of things that we do. So why not read a review on the person that's gonna be managing your money and uh, potentially developing the closest relationship that you have around money. And instead of just sending them over the, you know, an email that I've sent in the past where, oh, sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Prospective Client, I'm not allowed to send over referrals because it's an SEC rule. I thought, you know what, I am just gonna solve this problem once and for all in a little bit more of a genuine way by explaining why you're not able to do that And I started out by just like showing that this is actually an SEC rule. And then I just dove into some of the reasons why we're not able to to pick it. And some of those reasons would be that obviously advisors would just cherry pick their favorite clients that would say the nicest things about them. And then, of course, that leads into other issues such as are those people being compensated? Maybe they're actually friends or family. How can you actually know that you can trust these referrals that you're giving to people? And then also too, like how do you make sure that these people are, uh, you know, actually saying uh, reasonable things about you? And in my video, I explain like, what if a client said that they had awesome returns last year working with Colin? Maybe that would be, uh, you know, mislead a prospective client to think that X amount of returns in their portfolios are guaranteed. Or if I help them with a tax strategy, that maybe Colin's a CPA, which is totally not true, even though it is true that maybe I did help them with a tax strategy. And then you're like, well, now do you start just simply writing out scripts for clients? You know, it's such a double-edged sword and there's so many reasons that you're not able to. That's kind of just where I went with it and just said, screw it, I'm gonna make a video and send this to people that have questions. Yeah, I wouldn't say that this is something that I get as a request frequently, but I have had it happen once or twice where clients have asked for that or prospective clients. In most cases, it's less um, because they're unsure about me and more because they're unsure about my process is what I've found. Like they don't know what a financial planner actually does. So then I try to reaffirm that. But 
you know, it's it's kind of a hard bridge to cross where you're like, hey, uh, you know, I legally can't ask one of my clients to specifically tell you how I do, you know, <laughs> like it's just not it's it's a weird thing to tell people especially because we live in an age where everything's on yelp and google and amazon and they all have reviews all over them so but this is a big thing because the evolvement right Ian? no the evolution of financial planning to to be more uh advice based and and service based similar to accountants and lawyers and doctors and everything else so it's not you know, I guess a lot of what I work on is a whole lot less focus on performance of a portfolio, which I totally get why the SEC, you know, Congress doesn't want people talking about things like that. But at the same time, like, you know, I'd like to know, like, hey, is Ian a good person to work with? Or is Colin a good person to work with? Does he return his phone calls? Does he do what he says he's going to do? All these things, which is a whole lot different than I think what it was not that long ago. So I, I think this is just one of those where the law hasn't quite caught up yet with what's starting to happen uh, or you know especially within the xy community the last thing that that i would say on the the topic is the way that i've handled it if i've had questions is just kind of the professional partners or centers of influence and people that i they partner with now again i work at a pretty smaller defined niche specific uh, way but i think you can do that for a lot of other uh, reference partners so if you have you know an attorney that you send someone to you could tell this potential client, hey, go talk to Sarah because she's the estate attorney that I send people to. She can kind of speak about my process and who I am and, and maybe answer some of your questions. Now, Sarah might not know everything, but she can at least vouch for you're a good person, you return phone call, all those other things. And I think ultimately that's what a lot of people want to do is, again, we all want you know validation. And if they weren't referred by a friend, it's tough to know, can you trust this person? Because ultimately that's the key in any sort of relationship, especially one with financial advice. Yeah, I, I think the most interesting part of this conversation is probably the topical nature of it. The fact that there's a regulation that was proposed by the SEC recently that might change the way that we're able to handle testimonials and um, conversations with clients. Now, personally, I'm not sure that that would change the way that I feel about this because I still feel really uncomfortable with the idea of reaching out to one of my current clients and saying, hey, uh, this person really wants to work with me, but they're not 100% confident in what I say as a person. Can you tell them that I'm a good person? Like, <laughs> that that seems like a really awkward conversation to have. Although maybe some of that would be eliminated by, you know, a higher use of Google reviews or testimonials on our website or whatever. Maybe that would make clients or prospective clients feel a little bit better about it. I'm just not comfortable with that conversation. It's a weird ask, right? Yeah, because it, it does put the client in a weird position because if they really just don't feel like talking to a stranger, you know, about maybe their situation or even disclosing that you guys are working together or whatever the case, it's like, what are they going to say? No, I'd prefer not to say nice things about you. Like, it, it's just even if that's not really like how they are, you know, that's not how they want it to come across. It's it's just kind of a, a tough position. I, I totally agree. It's a weird social aspect. It's like a combination of the confidentiality part of what we do and not wanting to make your clients do things that make them uncomfortable because they trust you. Our tweet of the week this week is actually from uh, Dr. Daniel Crosby. So that'll surprise no one, but I actually selected it. To be fair, Isaiah didn't, even though he, he usually does. 
And uh, the tweet is actually a picture mostly, which you'll be able to find in the show notes. But it starts with, good to see that not everyone gets up at 4.30 a.m. And it's actually a picture of an infographic from um, a website called that is headlined The Daily Routines of Famous Creative People. And I found this really interesting because one of the myths of success is that you have to wake up at, you know, four or five in the morning and you have to wake up with the sunrise and you have to be grinding all day and then you have to sleep for four hours and then wake up and do it again and you have to work out and all this. And the the interesting thing about this graphic to me is that um, it shows that just about every single famous creative person had at least a slightly different routine. So it's not like the routine is the success. It's it's clearly the fact that they had a routine at all and the fact that they were doing these things repeatedly over time. Um, you know, I identify mostly in this graphic with William Styron, who uh, went to bed at about 2.30 in the morning and woke up at 11 a.m. every day because um, <laughs> I'm a night owl and that's just how I function. And he, he worked for about uh, four hours a day which is unfortunately not the position I'm in yet, but but uh, that, that really, really narrow window of time. And then he spent most of his time eating or uh, doing leisure activities like gaming. So that, that's I very think it's interesting. What do you guys well. think about this graphic? Um, great choice. I think it's a good tweet and interesting topic. I saw or read somewhere, and I don't know the name of the company, but there's a new tech company that started with a five-hour workday, and then they force people to go home, but they have very strict rules about checking email or doing different things, knowing that for you know two or three hours a day most people are just going to be wasting time in their phones like they literally collect your phones when you come in so you're not going to be tweeting you're not going to be on instagram they take that away and they say you're going to work and then we're going to let you go at one that's pretty cool and a different idea of just saying yeah like it's not the amount of time you spend somewhere it's how productive you are in that time and so i would agree with that i don't think you need to have someone that works for you know 12 hours a day to be successful and and wakes up and does cold showers and meditation for four hours and eats steel cut oats and you know goes and milks the cow that you know whatever like that's just stupid stuff that that people throw out there yeah i think the big thing oh god i was gonna say the big thing is is like with businesses that are trying to do that five hour work week i think a lot of the onus goes back to the business and making sure they have good clear expectations of what they're expecting and what the outcome is supposed to be i think this eight hour thing just comes from that industrial revolution of hey we have to sit here and do something for this much time and it's not really as relevant so going back to like what's the outcome um and who was the guy that was supposed to be at xy dr steven um anyway uh at the xy live event but uh, i was listening to a podcast of his and he was kind of saying he does a journaling of just what you know which which days is he most successful in terms of what works well for him and just trying to figure out hey when i do these things this is these are the days that i'm super successful so you know ian when i look at this post it's kind of just interesting to see that different people have different ways of doing things and there's certainly some similarities but i mean you're right just kind of comes back to like what works best for you and um you know, just kind of knowing yourself a little bit. So if that means getting up at 4am and that's how you work, cool. But if that means you're doing it at night, that's fine. But like the idea is like the work has to get done. Um, you figure out what, what works for you and in your lifestyle and your family and all that other stuff. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting because we're seeing a lot of companies try different flexible work schedules, whether that means people are telecommuting and working from home or whether that means that, you know, they're, 
like Isaiah was saying, they're trying these like five hour work days where you will show up to the office, but it's for a much more abbreviated amount of time. And I think there's a movement in the modern work world to find a balance of work and life that actually is good. Um, because the US for a long time was all about more hours, more productivity, more this, more that, give yourself to the company. And as a result, the company will take care of you. But I think when pensions went away and when a lot of these ongoing benefits in retirement went away, companies asking that of their employees just came across as greedy, right? Because, oh, well, we're not going to take care of you in your retirement, no matter how hard you work for us, the onus is still on you. Then the employees are like, well, okay, can I just do what I want then? And the company's like, no. <laughs> so... I don't know. I think it's interesting to see that to see that sort of flexibility start to come into play um, across all of our working environment. Yeah, I've never been a big fan of the you know you have to be breathing office air in order to show that you care or that you're being productive. Uh, it's you know it's kind of the idea that you, here's the task that you need to get accomplished. Can you do it in one hour? Can you do it in five hours? Like as long as the 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 task is being done. I think that's maybe starting to be the more of the focus, which is great. I also think it's really interesting how like none of these guys have exercise, like at least very few, maybe less than half them <laughs> exercise. Well, keep in mind that these are all people for the most part who lived in a different time period where like you would get your exercise by going grocery shopping because you were going to walk Touché. a mile to the market so true and then you were going to so walk true. around the market to buy goods from different people and then you were going to walk home carrying all your groceries like it wasn't the same as it is today so I, that that actually stood out to me too where i saw like a lot of them had exercise for like 15 minutes or 30 minutes but you could totally include you know leisure time or other as when they were doing this walking around and thinking or walking to some destination um yeah i mean it was just a it was just a different world like the the modern desk job is way different than it used to be um i also thought it was pretty interesting that you know as you guys know i'm a shameless kitsis fanboy just like uh isaiah is a shameless crosby fanboy and uh i i saw an article from him today a, a summary from him today in his um weekly reading for financial planners um, that was about how Microsoft pilot tested a program in Japan where they cut down the workday to five hours and forced all their employees to go home afterwards. Or I'm sorry, no, it wasn't five hours. It was four days a week. So same number of hours during the day. So eight hour days, but four days a week only. And you could not come in on Friday. And they made every part of like the communication intranet so that people couldn't like access it from outside. Um, and the interesting thing is that they saw an uptick in sales in their sales department during that period because the employees were more productive during the abbreviated amount of time that they were actually at work. So that was just one study. And I mean, it, it hasn't been replicated yet, but it is an interesting study to talk about. I'd just be interested, though, too, if people were happier or more behind the behind their business that they're working for. And it's just a lot easier if you have people that believe in what you're doing as a, as an organization there, you know, that stuff spreads. So, um, I wonder if that has part of it to do too. So yeah, maybe like a workplace culture uptick. Exactly. 
All right, what do we want to cover for our last topic? Oh, wait, we were going to do Thanksgiving-related stuff, right? All right. Why don't you transition us there, Isaiah? All right, so we're going to close out with a little fun today. And as Thanksgiving gets closer and we all start thinking about what Thanksgiving means to us, I just wanted to kind of ask the group, and this wasn't something we talked about before, so we'll see what creativity Ian, Dwight, and Colin have. Um, but you know, when you think about Thanksgiving and, and the food that's there, how, do you, how would you tie that into either investing, financial planning? You can be creative with it. And I will start with my favorite topic, which is diversification. So if I go in and I eat, you know, all the turkey, I don't have room for everything else, right? Like I've I've had I've had Thanksgivings growing up where I've eaten a whole entire pumpkin pie on top of multiple meals. You don't feel good after that, so you have to have the right balance. And it's the same way with investing, and especially as we come to a new decade. Stay with me here. I know it's funny, but stay with me. So if we come to a new de- decade, you know the U.S. has has outperformed, and diversification has not helped you at all. So it's been Let's go 100% in on the pumpkin pie if that's your thing. Maybe throw a little whipped cream on top. That's it. And what I want to make sure I get across to people is, you know, the next 10 are not going to look like the past 10. And you want that balance. You need a little of the stuffing with your turkey. All right. You need some some gravy on those mashed potatoes. And let's balance it out. And, and you will have a much greater chance of success long term versus just being so concentrated. And that's where people are at. And again, I'm going to use another pun. People are going to feel a little sick in the next 10 years if they're going to say, I'm going to have 80 to 90% of my holdings in the U.S. And I will die on that hill and I will continue to talk about it because it will come to fruition. And I don't know when. It might not be exactly within the next 10 years. But that's the way that I look at it when I think about Thanksgiving is having some balance. It's regression to the mean, right? I mean, the U.S. isn't going to keep growing like it has the last few years. Um, (laughs) my joke was that you got to start stuffing your 401k like a turkey because in 2020 it's going up your, uh, your contribution limits went from 19,000 to 19,500. The catch up, if you're over age 50, went from 6,000 to 6,500. So if you're over age 50, you can be putting on the employee side, $26,000 into your 401k. And if you're under age 50, 19500 for a total total between every all contributions between employee and employers is now up to 57000 So uh, start stuffing the 401k, baby. The IRA, unfortunately, is staying at 6000 I've got one. Uh, Given that we're such a capitalist and consumer-driven society, instead of talking about Thanksgiving, I'm going to talk about the day after, which is pretty well known as Black Friday. Now, I hate Black Friday for a lot of reasons, but there's one really awesome tip I have for you, uh, which is use it as the day where you get all of your holiday shopping done online. Don't leave the house. Use that Amazon account for good. And go on there with a list of people you're going to buy all your Christmas presents for and do it for probably half the cost it would cost you if you bought them somewhere in December. And never think about Christmas after that again as far as shopping for gifts. That's how I do it every year. And uh, it saves me stress and it saves me money. So I'll try to implement that because I'm the, the procrastinator and always scrambling. And every year you're the guy buying the presents on the 23rd. (laughs) I'm not. Yes. And I'm not, I always, I'm like, I'm never doing this again (laughs) because I want to enjoy 
buying things for my friends and family and that takes the joy out of it so i am going to try to implement that ian for you and for me well i hope it serves you well Colin. dwight what do you have for us i know you have something good cooking man i don't know i i don't know so the only thing i could really think of and i don't really know entirely how to tie this back to finance was just kind of um, you know, Thanksgiving is just such a traditional there's a meal and there's just a lot there that you kind of do things all the time just because that's the way you've always done it. And so I just feel like there's got to be some way to tie that in. Like at least out here, we do more of a Friendsgiving because all of our family uh, is back in Michigan. Um, so we get all these different uh, folks that bring things in and some of it might be less traditional just because it's like, well, nobody actually likes this weird green jello mode mold. So nobody actually makes that. And it's, you know, so I don't know. So I, I guess that's sort of the thing is like putting it on kind of what you were saying, Isaiah is just like, Hey, the U S might not always be the right answer anymore. So, you know, doing things the way we've always done it. Sometimes you do have to, uh, step back and kind of say, okay, what's, what's, what are we doing here? Do things need to change? I mean, um, you know, there's a lot of good reasons to put things on autopilot, of course, but, uh, Bitcoin, right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, make, try to think about what changes can be made for the good. I was just going to say going outside of the investment thing, the same as last year trap happens in open enrollment this time of year too. Don't just click that renew button, actually pay attention to the changes that your yep. employer made and point. whether you can save some money there. And then I would tie it into, you know, doing this, things the same or it's okay and we'll just continue down the road is uh, especially for you know someone that's maybe older or working with a parent's advisor that is really semi-retired like i've had conversations recently which just sparks this in my mind of people that have been like oh yeah it's okay but when they say it's okay they're still interested in understanding like yeah is this really okay for me still or has it been okay for me in the past and just continue to do the same thing and not really exploring or challenging the current relationship and Again, that's easy for me to say because I'm on the side of, of challenging some of these standing relationships that I don't think are overly great. But I think every single one of us on this podcast would also say, you know, with our current clients, if they're not seeing the value and they're not seeing the reason that they pay us, they should leave and go find someone else that does do that for them. And we wouldn't ever want to keep someone that is not happy or, or isn't getting what we feel like we should offer them. And there's so many people in our industry, especially the gray hairs. And so they're going to be like, you know, we'll say, okay, boomer, right? I mean, that's the thing, but they are, they're, they're, they're retired at this point. Like they literally aren't working. So that, that to me is something that you could tie it into as well, Dwight, not to hijack your idea, but that was a really good one. No, thanks. For the, thanks for the save. Appreciate that. <laughs> Just an idea he's a big guy. picture thinker. Yeah. He's an idea guy. <laughs> Any closing thoughts, um, Thanksgiving related, um, or daily routines related, or Colin's sweet video related? Maybe just cut your advisor some slack. He's not allowed to send, or he or she is not allowed to send you over uh, reviews and testimonials. But that doesn't mean you cannot find a great advisor and validate them. Yeah, watch uh, my the closing video thought is everybody should go watch Colin's out. content. Um, because he's shamelessly pugging it, and it's actually worth watching. <laughs> You're welcome, man. All right, thanks for uh, tuning in. We appreciate you all for listening, and if you have questions, thoughts, concerns, things you want to hear us chat about, feel free to reach out. Take care. 
Thanks so much for listening. We hope we were able to make you laugh and allow you to learn something. For all inquiries and questions, please email financialforesight at gmail.com. If you're on Twitter, feel free to give us a follow and ask a question there as well. Remember the podcast is for general information and entertainment purposes only, and you should not consider what we've talked about investment or tax advice. Please consult your professional team before implementing anything we talked about. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and maybe leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you so much for listening. We'll be talking again soon.